We're going to talk about, actually, the second part, a message I started last week called Recreating Your Universe. I'm just going to read text scripture. Actually, I have it up here. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we thank and praise you, Lord, for the opportunity once again to partake of your word. We thank you, Father, that your word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that your word is infallible and that it is meat to supply us with knowledge, to guide us, to warn us, to reprove us, to change us, to edify us, to motivate us, to strengthen us. And we just give you the glory and honor, Father, that as we would study your word today, that you would touch each one of us, Father, on a personal level, and that none of us would leave out the way we came in, that we would leave out stronger, once again motivated, empowered, Father, to live the life that you've purposed for us. And we praise and thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hallelujah. All right, we saw here it says, faith, amen, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of of things not seen. Last week we saw that faith was the persuasion, the thing that persuades you. It is the credence. It is the moral conviction of religious truth with a constancy in such profession. And one of the things I said last week is that it's one thing to say I have faith or I have a moral conviction of something, but the underlying Greek word here is saying that you have to have a constancy in such profession. In other words, I don't just have faith on my good days, but I also have faith on the days where I'm going through. And I don't know how I'm going to make it. Amen. It's a constant thing. It's a level playing field. It's something that keeps us going. Amen. In terms of, I'm just thinking of it, like if you're at the hospital, you'll see oscillators and things like that that are going up and down with a waveform. And that thing goes flat line, you're in trouble. But as it comes with our faith, our faith should be a flat line. Amen. It shouldn't be up and down. One day I believe God. He's the greatest. The next day, oh, I ain't sure about God and his word. No. Faith should be a straight line, continuously going from your present time into your future. It should be constant in everything that it needs to do in your life. It also talks about a text scripture that faith is the substance, amen? It is the essence, 
It is the assurance. One thing I like here is it's a setting under for support. Amen. A setting under for support. A lot of times you see a building or a skyscraper or something like that built. It's not so much how it looks on the surface, but the thing that undergirds that structure. Amen. That keeps it up and keeps it stable as storms hit it. Amen. If you're not built up under a great foundation, a solid foundation, the whole building may be may fall. But if we're built up on the substance of God's word and have faith in it, no matter what we go through, we can stand strong. Amen. It was the faith in God that got me through, you know, cancer, as I, as I share. It was faith in God that when I had four bank accounts with one hundred and seventeen dollars between them, that I was able to stand strong and believe God that my house was not going to be lost. Amen. And it's easy to say, oh, I trust God during the good times, but I went from approximately $120,000 one year to 17000 the next. I had to trust God. Amen. Because <laughs> the bank account was not making it <laughs> during that time. <laughs> Amen. So it's faith in God that gives you that undergirding support that through the rough patches, you can say, you know what? I can't see how. I don't know how, but God's going to get me through. Sometimes, despite me, God is going to get me through. Um, we also talked about being proof or evidence, conviction, amen, I have conviction about the things I'm saying. I'm not just throwing lip service out. I'm not just saying something off my lips or having something go in and out, out my ears. But when I talk about my faith in God, this is something I feel in the core of my being, my heart of hearts, amen, hallelujah. Now, um, as before we move on, just a little background, I talk about recreating our universe, and I'm not talking about the universe going out into outer space with all the heavens and all these uh, bodies out there, meteors and comets and black holes and dark matter and, and, and suns and planetoids and all these things. I'm talking about your personal universe. Amen? And we looked at three types of individuals, and I'm sure there's more, but one of the ones I looked at last week, and I got this image from this upcoming series, Under the Dome, and as I saw that, the Lord just spoke to me and said, like, some of us are living this way. Amen. We're bubbled in. We're under a dome. We can see stuff on the outside, but as we consider the possibilities of life and the opportunities of life, we think that we're bounded. There's something blocking us. There's something that keeps us from going higher and elevating in the things of God. And there's something that blocks us from expanding our boundaries outward in the things of God. I'm stuck where I'm at. And I can't see how to get through, or I don't know whether I have the power, the talent, the intellect you know, to get me through. But God wants to get us out of those boundaries. Amen. We also looked about at another type of individual. I'm stuck in a rut. I'm stuck so deep, you know, maybe by my mistakes, maybe by the circumstances of my birth, maybe by the trauma and the various things that got thrown my way. I'm stuck in this situation. I just can't see myself climbing out. Well, you need to get yourself a grappling hook in God. Amen. And elevate yourself out of that hole. And then we looked at, you know, the person that has themselves wrapped up in a bunch of strings. Amen. That's the person that's the puppet of the kingdom of God. Actually, not the kingdom of God, but the puppet of your family or your friends or the expectations of people. You got people stringing you along and you, it's not like you're, you're even moving under your own will. But it's always, even when you're thinking about your dreams and your goals and the things that are before you, the opportunities that life presents your way, you always got something pulling on you that keeps you from attaining the promises of God. But the sword of spirit, amen, we need to bring that thing out and cut those bands loose. 
allow ourselves the liberty to walk free in Jesus Christ. So um, last week we talked about who framed your world. Amen. We see here the text scripture says the worlds were framed by the word of God. Is your world framed by the word of God? Amen. Or once again, is it framed by people's expectations? Maybe is it even framed by your own desires, your own agenda? But it needs to be governed by the word of God in every area. Amen. And then we talked about, uh, oh, we're going to go forward. And in our text scripture, it talks about sacrifices unto God. Amen. It says that Abel, by faith, offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So my question today is, what type of sacrifices are we offering unto God? As we saw in the book of Genesis, Abel provided God his best. It was a righteous and acceptable sacrifice. He did not hold back because he was devoted to God. And he wasn't concerned that if he gave his best sacrifice unto him, what will I have left? Amen. Or maybe it cost me too much. He just gave what he knew was a righteous sacrifice unto God. The concept of withholding from God what he was due never crossed his mind. And the reason I really believe is that he thought of God as the source of everything. When you see God as your source, you can give him your all, even if it seems that you lack something, because you know that him being the great provider, amen, he could do more to supplement what you're missing than it's even greater than what you could give him in the first place. Amen. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Surely if we give unto God our money, our time, our talent, God can fill in anything that we lost. Amen. Hallelujah. I just remember like the woman that was about to die. Remember the prophet came to her. They said, he said, well, you got, got to eat. Oh, I just got two sticks about to eat them and die. That's not a good dinner. Amen. Two sticks. But he said, feed me first. Fed him. She said, I got two sticks, a little bit of oil. Fed him. Next thing you know, she's got more oil than she can even contain. Amen? See, we give God our best. God always gives us more. As a matter of fact, during that time where we had, uh, as I told you, four bank accounts, $117. And my wife went down to Florida. Um, she's a court stenographer at the time. And her sister's also a, a court stenographer. And they needed some extra um, Court stenographers down there for some major cases that were going on. So Pam went down there, and um, she she was working, um, and she went to my sister-in-law's church that week, and they had a missionary from um, Africa in. And as he was sharing everything about, you know, the problems over there and the things that they needed, they finally came to the point where they did an offering call, and my wife looked in her purse. She had eighty dollars. And I gave her, you know, spending money. She went down there without blinking an eye. She took that eighty dollars out. And put into that offering for that missionary. Amen. Because it wasn't about the lack of our bank accounts, $117. It was faith in God and what he was about to do. And she saw that the ground that it was being planted in was fertile ground. So she gave everything she had in her purse. Now, I told you she gave the, the, um, the missionary $80, right? It was around Easter time. My, next door, my neighbor across the street not knowing a situation, not knowing our poverty-stricken condition, came across the street and said, oh, you know, I noticed your car was there, you know, continuously all, all, you know, for the last week or so. Like, are you out of work? And I said, yeah, well, I'm trying to pursuing projects here and there. So she said, well, you know, I know it's not much, but she gave me some laun Tide laundry detergent and then 
stuck something in my hand and folded it. After she left, I opened my hand, $80. <laughs> Got back the exact thing that my wife had put into the offering for that missionary overseas. Then I had talked to a recruiter. I'm, you know, I'm a software engineer. I talked to a recruiter, and um, he had asked me if I was interested in this job out in King of Prussia area, and I said, no, that's not, I'm happy. I, I, at the time, I was working, so I wasn't turning out jobs. But um, I told him, I said, I'm happy at my job right now, and plus, I really don't want to do that commute. So he said, well, do you know anybody that might be interested? So I gave him the name and number of somebody. So this guy out of the blue calls me up, and he says, hey, Brian, he said, you know, um, when, you, when I talked to you back in October, he said the person got the job, and he said they've been there for three months, so I can give you a referral. He said, you know what, you've always been good with me. We've had a good relationship, so I'm going to try to give you the best, you know, sign-in bonus. Can't promise it, but I'm going to see what I can do. The guy calls me back three days later, and he said, I got you the referral bonus. I'm sending you a check for $800. I was like, look at God, Amen. <laughs> So when you're sacrificing to God, are you withholding? Are you trusting God that even if you lack, he can do more ever imagined? Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. So um, he gave his best. We look at Cain, unfortunately. He selfishly gave God what he desired. He didn't want to stretch himself. He didn't want to go outside of his comfort zone. And matter of fact, not only did he do that, but because he had a selfish mindset, when he saw that his brother was favored in the sacrifice, it led to envy, to hatred, and then murder. Amen? Tragic. So that's my question. What sacrifices are we giving to God? Do we give God our best? Amen? And I'm not talking about just money. I'm saying, do we give God our best? Are your gifts available to God? Amen? They need somebody to call somebody that's sick. They need somebody to visit somebody in the hospital. They need somebody to sing a song, to help out in the streets, as you go through the stores, I mean, the ministry is everywhere. As you're going out there interacting with people, are you giving them the best of God that is within you? Sometimes it's just a small thing. I was at a Wawa one morning, and um, this woman was, you know, looked a little upset that I seen all the time. And I was like, what's wrong? And she said, everybody treats me like I'm just nothing. It's like they don't even see me. They come up with their cell phones at their ear, and they're talking, and, you know, they hand me their money, and they're just shaking their hand like, give me my change and let me get out of here. So impatient and so uncaring. So I gave her my money, paid for my product, you know, the, the, the things I bought and everything. And as she came to hand me the money back, I grabbed her hand, pulled her forward, gave her a kiss on the cheek, and I said, I care about you. Amen? And she just lit up. And the thing is, I not only just did that, but there's people behind me that kind of, they might, some of them might have thought I was a schmuck, but then there's some other people that are like, wow, you know, maybe I need to think about the way that I interact and how I'm so rushed and how it makes other people feel bad when I don't give of myself and I'm so impatient. Amen? Hallelujah. So there's a way to minister in God everywhere you go. It's just a matter of do we want to give that unto people. Now, um, Hebrews 13 actually talks about the sacrifices that God wants us to make. Hebrews 13:15 through 17, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually that is the fruit of our lips giving praise to his name. But to do good and to communicate forget not for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. 
Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that much give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So let's look at that. By them let us offer the sacrifice of God continually. Are we walking around on a daily basis just pleased in what God is doing? Amen? Really, you look at the situations that people are dealing with. All of us, no matter how bad our day might seem, a lot of times there's somebody else that's doing so much worse. I mean, I just shared in the prayer request today, literally have somebody, you know, a, a friend for years that they've given two weeks to, to live. My problems, no matter how big they may have seen, suddenly drop down to there in comparison. Amen? I mean, sometimes we just look at stuff and like, oh, I just can't imagine going through this. I can't stand another moment. I can't take another day. When you hear something like that, somehow you just say, man, I need to be thanking God with all my might. Amen? And that's what he's asking us for, the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice is more than the money we could put in a basket. Matter of fact, that's a small thing. That's really just a, a test of trust. Do you trust me to be the source of your sustenance? Back in the Old Testament days or the days of the Bible, they were giving up of their livestock and of their lands because they were basically demonstrating to God, I trust you to be the source of everything that I have. Amen? So in order to demonstrate that, here's some of my cattle. Here's some of the, 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 the sustenance from the land, some grain and stuff like that. Here's an offering showing, you, showing and demonstrating that I trust you as a source of all these things more than I trust the material thing that's here. Amen? So we give money, you know, to show that as well. But even more so, God says that a greater sacrifice is here praising him for who he is. So no matter what seems to be going on in our life, can we praise God? Amen? On the rough days, on the bleak days, on the days when everybody surrounding you, as I said earlier, is getting on your last nerve, can you still, despite what they're doing, praise God? I just minded, um, Dr. Carden, we had her here on Good Friday as one of our speakers. And I remember years ago, I was working in Philadelphia, and um, I ran into her one time, and she said, uh, could you keep something in prayer? I was like, sure. I was like, what is it? She said, well, I'm looking at this job promotion, and I put in for it, but I haven't heard anything yet. And I was like, okay, I'll keep it in prayer. So I ran into her about a month later, and I said, what happened with the promotion? And she said, I don't understand. She said, somebody even took me to the side, my supervisor, and they act like you're, you know, a shoo-in. Like, you're definitely going to get it. But she said, for some reason, I didn't get it. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. She said, yeah, you know, I was a little discouraged. But she said, you know what, I'm just going to continue to trust God. I'm going to continue working hard. And, yeah, I was a little disappointed about this situation. But all systems go. I'm going to keep it moving. And I'll just keep praying. Amen. So then I ran to her another month or so later, and she said, Brian, you're not going to believe this. I was like, what? She said, they actually knew I was perfect for that position, but they were considering another position that was like not a lateral move, but a move up the ladder that was a possibility. And they said, if this position opened up, they didn't want to hire me for this one, then have to move me from where I was to that one, then move me again to that one. So, so instead of putting her in, even though they knew she deserved it, they put somebody else in. Then when the next one opened up, they put her into it. Amen. My question, though, is what would have happened if she got a nasty, nasty attitude about being supposedly overlooked by this first position? Maybe the other one would not have opened up. 
or it could have opened up and they would have said, you know what, she acted up as a result of not getting that, so she obviously isn't what we thought she was, so we can't put her here. So a lot of times, our sacrifice isn't necessarily a monetary thing. It's the attitude of the heart. It's a selfless attitude. It's the way we treat people. It's the way we interact. It's the way we handle hardship, amen? That's more telling about your spiritual maturity, how you handle the hard situations and the negative moments, than how you handle the good days, amen? Anybody can act like a righteous person in the midst of being on the mountaintop, but how do you conduct yourself when you've been disappointed on every side, amen? Hallelujah. So it talks about us offering up the sacrifice of, of praise to God continuously. And see, it says not only the sacrifice of praise like a mental thing, but it says the fruit of our lips giving praise to his name. So that's not just a mentality of, oh, I'm thankful, yeah, I appreciate God. But no, it should be something that is outwardly coming out of us, amen? And I know we're not all evangelists, so I don't expect us all to just run down the streets and, hey, I thank God. Hey, I thank God. Hey, did you thank God today? No, I'm not asking us all to be that open because some of us are shyer than others. But what I'm saying is that in our minds and in our own personal way, each of us should have a heart of thankfulness towards God. Your thankfulness might be just singing a song that you like in your head as you're driving your car, as you're walking down the street, or, you know, just going through these little moments. Thank God. Praise God. Amen? Hallelujah. We all have our own personal way. Then it talks about us doing good and communicating. And um, God is sacrificed with that. He talks about doing good. We don't realize that another form of sacrifice is actually obeying them that have rule over us. And submitting ourselves unto them. See, that's a hard thing in this day and age. Amen. It's also about the people that are over you, you know, are watching for your souls. That's the spiritual side. So like me, I'm watching over the people that are members here. Spiritually, I'm praying for them all the time, saying, Lord, what do you have me to share with them? If they're having trials and tribulations, um, how can I help intersect or, or counsel and advise? How can I encourage through the hard times? Amen. That's, that's watching over people's souls. Um, but, and then it says, they should build a watch, but on your side, they should build to do with joy, that you're not grief unto them. That's kind of like a foreign thing in this day and age. People get mad at their pastors and change churches all the time. Amen? That's happened here. <laughs> but um, if, according to the word of God, we should be able to weather conflict, come to a resolution according to the spirit of God and the word of God, and keep moving on productively. But it's kind of a foreign concept in this day and age where people are so fickle and move on so quickly. But like I said, God is a God of order. God is one of obedience. God is one of authority. Amen? So we might do it differently in this day and age, but there's certain things that stand true from cover to cover and throughout the test of time with God. The Word tells us, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is same yesterday, today, and forever amen so we might change how how we handle things but god handles things the same so this is an age like i said of insubordination this is a day of rebellion we see all the time on tv shows especially reality shows that uh, dysfunctional or disruptive behavior is not only approved but applauded amen but god's standard is quite different he sees it as a form of sacrifice that as we walk in obedience to him and his principles, he sees that as something that is a sacrifice unto his kingdom. Amen? Praise the Lord. 
All right. Um, another scripture where it talks about the type of sacrifice that we're giving unto God is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. And it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, living sacrifice. <laughs> it's not just talking about the things coming out of your mouth or mindset. Now it's just saying every aspect of your being should be a sacrifice unto God. Amen? And we all have our own personal things that we have to do to sacrifice unto God. The things that he has in terms of expectations over my life may not be the same thing that he has for your life. So each one of us has to take the time to pray and seek the face of God, study the word, and determine as we communicate with him what are the things that he has in store for our lives. Amen. And as we learn these things, we can adapt ourselves or align ourselves with the things that he places upon our heart. One of the things that he does say here is that you be not conformed to this world. The word conformed means to be fashioned alike. Amen. So we should not just be conducting ourselves or or speaking or acting or behaving like the world system. But it tells us that our, our pad, the pattern that we are following should be adapted to the principles of the word. Amen. So not to be conformed to the world. And it may seem like from time to time that um, it's, it's an une- uneasy thing going the way, going against the grain and doing it according to the word of God. But I found so many times over the years that if I do it according to God's expectations, that he blesses me in the things that I need to accomplish. Amen. I even told you about the situation, like I said, of being out of work. They were outsourcing jobs to India and other places. They were downsizing. And there was just a lot of things that I had over my, my head at that time. You know, bills, expectations, uh, mortgage, all kinds of stuff coming my way only to have a little amount of money. And it seemed like the more I was pursuing different opportunities, the less that was being afforded me. I was looking at on- online. I was looking at newspapers. It seemed like there was nothing out there whatsoever. Amen. And I remember this one day I got a phone call and a person made me an offer to get involved with some, some pornographic sites. And I was like, I'm not going to get involved with that. And he said, well, you know anybody else that will do that? I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I said, it's according to... It goes against the word of God. I'm not going to get myself involved with something that takes me outside of the confines of what I know God wants me to do according to his word. So even though the opportunity was there and the money was there and it seemed like nothing that I found appropriate was coming my way, I was like, I'm not going to turn away from my principles and get myself involved with something that is is, um, not according to my beliefs. So I turned the situation down. However... God opened up a door for other places, and now I'm actually employed at one of the the places that he opened up for me later. So the enemy, a lot of times, will open up seemingly good opportunities that he'll make available for you when you need them. But we still have to be careful to pray and seek God, know the principles that he wants us to live according to, and then 
you know, say yay or nay on those decisions based upon what is presented to us at the time. So he tells us not to be conformed to this world, not to adapt to their thinking, not to adapt to their behavior. Then he also says you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform is the root word in the Greek is metamorphos. So you think about the word metamorphosis. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I just think about a caterpillar and how, you know, caterpillars kind of ugly, kind of creepy. <laughs> Amen. But then they go in a cocoon and when they come out, they're this beautiful winged insect that now you, you'll grab. You know, well, as kids, we used to grab. I don't know what happened, but we don't really see a lot of butterflies like we used to as kids. But um, you just see a transformation that they come from this one thing that doesn't look that great. It's kind of, like I said, creepy, whatever. But once they metamorphose, metamorphose or go through the process of metamorphosis, they are transformed into something beautiful. Amen. Same thing with us in our faith. A lot of us came into the kingdom of God with a lot of baggage, hurt, guilt, problems surrounding us on every side. I've dealt with people over the years that came and accepted Christ um, coming out of uh, various forms of addiction, some coming out of criminal activity. Amen. And I saw God do a transformation in their life. And it's a similar kind of transformation where the person might see themselves and think, I'm not of a lot of worth. But once God gets a hold of their life and starts to transform them, you can see the beauty of God starting to come forth in their life. Amen. You see a transformation in terms of not only their behavior, but also their outlook on life. So that's what God does. And we see here it says a renewing of your mind. That renewing of your mind is talking about a mental and emotional renovation. Amen. You may not have thought in a way that was productive before you accepted the Lord, but once he gets a hold of your mind and you start studying the word and meditating upon the word and applying the word, it starts to do a transformation in your thinking process that makes all of your behaviors, your perceptions, and the things you do, and even your speech, start to align itself to the word so you become more productive in the things of God. So it's a renovation. You know, I just think about this time of the year, a lot of us have garages, attics, different things that are filled with stuff that needs to go. <laughs> a lot of dust. They had a um, recycling thing that they did. I think it was Gibbsboro. Gibbsboro, Voorhees, and West Berlin. There's one weekend where they say you could dispose of electronic gadgets. So I went through and found some old phones, went up in the attic, and, you know, me being a computer guy, I got about... <laughs> I got like a little graveyard of computers up in my attic. <laughs> so I went up there and, you know, pulled a couple drives and demagnetized a couple drives and took a, I, th I thought I was taking about, probably about six there. The one I like, the, the body of it, so I'm, like, I'm keeping that one. But the other ones I took, we took that, microwaves and all these different things, and we went up to this facility, and you just saw that we weren't alone, but there was a lot of people that were discarding a lot of stuff that needed to go. Amen. It was a new season. It was a new time. It was a time of clearing out those things that had been hoarded or that were disposable. And God says he wants us to do a renewing or a renovation of our minds. Amen. Renew the spirit of mind. If you had to examine the way in which you think, you know, if you had to summarize your thought process, your outlook, or your perceptions in one word, would you find that it's something 
of benefit to your life, something fruitful, something godly, or do you find that you have a negative mindset? Amen? You know, we deal with various people on a daily basis. You know, and you know there's certain people that we all can probably mention that we like to avoid. And a lot of times we find that it's because those people are either mean-spirited or they're negative. Any, any positive you have, they can spin it to a negative. They always see the cloud instead of the silver lining. You know, we all have some people that we label that way. But why would we be the same way if we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen? You know, why in the world would we have negative mindset? When the Word says we're more than conquerors, the Word says that we're royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Why in the world would we be living on a daily basis to say that I have all these limits over my head and surrounded me to prevent me from being successful in life? So God wants us to go through the process of renewing our minds. If we have the kind of negativity in our past that has now started to consume our lives to tell us that we can't do this, we can't do that, then we need to renew our minds to start taking on the mentality that I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I shared with you last week a statement that Henry Ford, the automaker, said. And he says, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Just think about that. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And that's the truth. Look at your life. Look at the things that you looked at positively and your success rate over the times that you thought of, thought of something negatively and you failed. A lot of times, it's actually a self-fulfilling prophecy. There's a principle, they call it the Pygmalion effect from a George Bernard Shaw play. They also call it the Rosenthal effect. Rosenthal was a guy that actually researched this subject. Um, they went to this classroom, and they basically set a test body of students, and they said that, okay, we believe these 20% of the students are going to have this success rate. Then they measured them in terms of IQ tests, went through the curriculum and everything, came back through at the end of the semester or the marking period, did another IQ test and other tests. Everything went up higher on the students that they said we believed them to do better. All of them went at a higher level than the, the pool of students, the 80% that they said, ah, we're not sure about them. Amen? And the reason is, hey, here's the thing. It's not only the mentality of the person who is going through the process of education or business or whatever it is. It's also the outlook of the people over you and surrounding you and how they perceive you. Amen? So you have to be careful, first of all, to renew the spirit of your mind so that you think, I can do all things of Christ. It's not about me. It's not about my limitations. It's not about me being born on the wrong side of the, the tracks, being a product of a dysfunctional family, I need to have the mindset that I can be successful in all things. In any area where I feel weak, I need to learn to trust God, amen, and ask him to show me how to succeed. Ask him to show me the people that I can connect with that can help, help me get to my goals, amen, as opposed to having a negative mindset. Dr. Caroline Leaf, I read her book as well. Blame it on the brain. And she said that when you think negatively, you actually build negative pathways that she actually took neurological scans and they look like trees on your mind. It's crazy. <laughs> you actually build pathways and subconsciously, when you go through the process of thinking a negative way, 
and that becomes the heart of how you think, the next time you face a situation, even though it's positive, because subconsciously you've already got yourself going down negative, the, the road of negative thinking, even though something can look 100% great because you've trained your brain a certain way, your brain subconsciously will automatically start like messing you up or making you see the negativity in the midst of all the positivity because it's been trained to react a certain way. So that's why, like I said, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Amen? You'll actually subconsciously find ways to trip yourself up and hinder your success rate. And then you look around and say, all oh, these people are blocking me. This person's doing this. This person's doing that. No, you're doing it to yourself. Amen? So like I said, we got to renew the spirit of our minds. And even though we may not necessarily, necessarily feel hopeful or positive, we start rehearsing it in our minds. We start re- rehearsing it in terms of what we speak. Amen? We start catching ourselves when we feel that negative statements or attitudes are starting to manifest. And we start turning around and start speaking according to the word of God and speaking out of faith. And after a while, it becomes easier and easier to the point where now we literally do think positively and we start seeing success blossoming in our lives. Amen? So we have to renew our mind. We need to discard the junk and transform our mentality, illuminate our minds so we no longer perceive things according to the flesh, but now we start perceiving things according to the Spirit of God. Now, in our text scripture, it talked about moving in fear. Amen? It said that, uh, let's see. Which one moved with fear? Noah, yes, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen yet, moved with fear. But the thing is, when it talked about him moving with fear, the form of fear he was moving in was godly reverence. Amen? So my question to us today is, when we move with fear, is it the same thing? Is it godly reverence or is it dread of the enemy? Amen? Is it dread? Is it anxiety? Is it negativity? Is it outright, you know, finger biting, losing sleep, fear of what the consequences of life or people could be? Psalm 25 talks about that. Psalm 25, 12 through 15 says, What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. All right, so what man is he that fears the Lord? We are to be fearing the Lord, amen, not fearing man. A lot of times we look at the various situations that we face in life, and we fear of speaking in groups. We fear of commutes. We fear of dealing with the consequences in, of this situation or that situation. Sometimes we're afraid of crossing paths with people that we've had bad experience with when, in the past. And the question here, though, is are we spending more time fearing the Lord, once again, reverential fear, or actually having a literal fear of mistakes or people doing stuff against us, amen? How do we think? You know, he wants us to have a reverential fear of of following him and pursuing him 
and seeking him diligently every day of our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the kind of fear that he wants us to have. And it says that when you have a fear, a reverence of the Lord, it says he will teach you in the way that he shall choose. Amen. He starts to speak to your heart and to your mind. He starts to teach you things about yourself as well as the situations and the opportunities that you're facing in life. And given those situations, then he starts to show you the ways in which you can make adjustments in your life and make your life more fruitful. Amen. As we see here, it will put your soul at ease. Amen. Think about that. At ease. All the the stresses of life. All the different trials and tribulations that we may face on a daily basis. God is saying here that if you put more reverential fear in him than you do in fear of what the world system could do to you, it says that he will place you at ease. Amen? Hallelujah. That way you don't have to worry about the circumstances. You don't have to worry about the economy. You don't have to worry about the connections you have. You don't have to worry about what is going on at your job. Is the business going to go bankrupt or are they going to lay me off? Amen? When you truly trust in God to be the source of everything you're doing, then you could be at ease. I just came out of this project where we had some crazy deadlines. Amen. I was putting in a lot of late hours, losing a lot of sleep. And, um, you know, as we naturally do, got to a point where I was really starting to have some concerns about the, sus- the sus- stability of the job, you know, the, the authority over me and everything. But then finally I was praying and the Lord was like, you know what? I've got you through 25 years of this career. Whether you stay there or whether you go, I'm going to continue to sustain you. Amen? And as he reminded me of that, I finally got to the place where I'm at ease, you know? And I'm leading the project. We've been having success. Uh, we've had a couple projects and, and conf- we've had a couple conferences. Just came out of one this week where we had a lot of people sign up for our website. It's starting to really explode. Um, we do analysis on Google and um, we're coming up, I think, number four for MD. Amen. I mean, the biggest one is the state of Maryland. Then um, I think another one is WebMD. And then I think we're two more down on the first page of Google. And the site has only been up since really live since March 4th. And yet for MD, we're, I think we're number four right now and growing. So um, uh, we went from, I think they said with this conference last week, we went from um, if you take all the results from March 4th to the date of this latest conference, we basically exploded in the number of doctors that have signed up for our site since that time. So things are going very well. <laughs> but during a time where there was all this pressure and uh, staying up late nights and stuff like that, there's a time, there's times where, you know, the body started feeling a little worn down, literally sleep deprivation. But I finally got to the place where, you know what, I'm not going to keep staying up all night. They're going to have to start planning stuff out. And I literally told people, I'm like, look, I'm not going to continue to work all hours of night, day, night, weekend. You're going to have to start being patient in this situation. You're going to have to start listening to me and start planning things out thoroughly, like I said, instead of us always doing this helter-skelter, last-minute, get-it-up-now thing. Amen? So I allow myself to go from the place of stress into the place of ease. Amen? Hallelujah. So there's, in other words, we all have times where stresses and trials and uncertainty are going to come in. But it's up to us how we handle the circumstances. Do you continue to allow those things to stress you out? Or do you allow yourself to get to the place where you pray and seek God and he can speak into your heart and to your mind and bring you at ease? Amen. That no matter whether things go up and down, you say, he still says to you, 
I've got you and I got this situation at hand. Amen. Hallelujah. We also see here it says the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Amen. The secret of the Lord. Just think about that. <laughs> secret of the Lord. There's certain things that the Lord has in terms of information, wisdom, and guidance that he's going to only give to those that fear him. Amen. We talked earlier and we sang earlier about being a friend of God. <laughs> Friends share secrets. Amen. You're close to God. There's certain things that he will share with you that if you seek him in a more diligent level than with others, God will share things with you that give you insight that will illuminate your journey, your path in ways that somebody else may not receive. We see that in here. I mean, he didn't tell everybody about the devastation and destruction of earth. He told Noah. Amen. (laughs) Certain things he told Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, Moses that he didn't tell everybody else. Why? Because those people sought him more thoroughly, more directly, and more consistently than they did other people. So we had to have a similar mindset, amen? If you want to reshape your life and reshape the things that are surrounding you, amen, it might be that we need to take more time seeking the face of God and meditating upon his word and allowing him to speak with us and share things with us that will help straighten out some of the issues that we're dealing with. I even had times, you know, where I'm under a deadline, and I'm coding and cranking away and may have spent a late night. I'm a night owl, you know, programming some software. And sometimes I get to the point where, you know what, I just got to call it a night. I'm done. Or I get to the place where I say I need to take a break and step away from it. And I've had times where, I, you know what, I need a break. I'm going to just run to the post office real quick. And I'll drive. And the computer languages I'm dealing with sometimes are so intricate that sometimes you can have a semicolon, a colon, a comma, a curly brace, or something like that. And if it's in the wrong place, it will literally break your code. <laughs> literally break your code. I mean, I had one night, I had one night where the website was up, everything looked perfect. And all of a sudden, before I went to sleep, I decided to bring up the website and everything was shifted over to the far right. And I was like horrified. Because like, if my boss sees this, he's going to have a fit. So I'm looking at the site. Oh, my God. I was like, he can't see this tomorrow morning. Because he sees this, the phone's going to be ringing off the hook. Nuclear mass is going to be over. So anyway, I look at the code and everything. And I'm looking around. And I got this sense of desperation and everything. And all of a sudden, I find like this missing, missing slash. I put it in. The whole website is now properly aligned. But the thing is, I can stay in the moment in the mentality of fear, or I can say, you know what? I need to seek the face of God. Because sometimes we got this stuff going on, we just can't see our way out of it because the stress is overwhelming us. But we take the time to take the time to pray or listen to a song or meditate upon the word or just take ourselves away from the day-to-day stresses, sometimes God can speak. Matter of fact, even as I was driving here to church today, I literally was not thinking about computer code. I'm just driving here, listening to praise and worship, eating a little bit, about to set up equipment. As I'm driving here, all of a sudden, something I've been trying to fix Friday in terms of my code I even called technical support, this hosting company. We're going back and forth. We're doing all this behind-the-scenes techno stuff to try to get to work. Can't get to work. I'm driving here to this church this morning. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit speaks, and he's just like, I was like, you got to be kidding me. 
that's going to fix it. <laughs> but it's like, and the thing is, I'm thinking about the things of God. I'm thinking about praise and worship. I'm thinking about the sermon today. I'm thinking about God and nothing to do with, like, computer stuff. And all of a sudden, the Lord just speaks and says, here's a resolution to the issue with your code. So I'm like, it's just crazy. The way God will sometimes speak if we place our mind upon him. Amen. So here it says, mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. Amen. Ever toward the Lord. And we see here, he says that he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Sometimes we get ourselves into messes. Amen. Some of them are people putting us in that net. Sometimes we put ourselves in the net. But thank God, he says, if you take your mind off yourself, if you have your mindset and your eyes towards him, he says he will what? Pluck you out of the net. That means he will snatch you out of that net that you're in. Amen? Snatch you out. Hallelujah. So we, always fa- we often waste a lot of valuable time seeking all these different things. You know, during the trials and the tribulations, we focus on material things. You know, sometimes we obsess over trinkets, amen, in comparison to what God could provide us. But the thing is, if we focus on him, God can illuminate us, amen. God can enlighten us. God, in a moment's notice, can give us more insight to resolve our situations than we could ever get by trying to solve them on our own. And that word pluck, you know, back in the day we think of the pluck like, we used to call it the pluck when you went like that. <laughs> That's not the pluck God's talking about. God's talking about the pluck as in snatch you out of the net. So God says he will pluck you out of your net. What, when? When you diligently seek and serve him. Amen. Hallelujah. And don't allow your circumstance to define you. That's why he says we cannot be moving with our earthly, natural, fleshly fear, but instead we need to be moving with a reverential fear of God himself. Amen? Hallelujah. Proverbs fifteen sixteen says, Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is little. You're better off with a little stuff, in other words, and having the fear of the Lord than having a great treasure and the troubles that will surround you due to that treasure. Amen? Hallelujah. And the thing is, if you really look at it, even if you're not surrounded by what appears to be trouble from a natural perspective, you could be filthy rich, nice cars, houses, boats, the whole works, your own charter jet and everything. And it might seem like, hey, nobody in life messes with me and I'm just chilling. But the reality is you're in trouble if you don't know Jesus as the partner of your sins. You're in trouble. Amen? You're on a deathbed. It just hasn't happened yet. So, so we actually see here, according to the word, it's better, it's better to have little things. You'd be better off being in poverty and knowing Jesus than to be rich and not knowing Jesus. That's basically what it's telling us. Matter of fact, you're richer because even though you may suffer on this earthly plane, you're rich in eternity and the blessings that are going to be afforded you. Hallelujah. So like I said, we often waste a lot of time 
And sometimes we foolishly diminish our pursuit of God due to these trials and tribulations when our focus should actually be on the things of God as opposed to what is really trinkets in comparison. All right, so next thing that we see in our text scripture is um, we saw that Noah moved with fear. Then it says in verse 8 that Abraham, by faith, was called to go out into a place which he should after for receiving inheritance. And it says that he went out not knowing whither he went. So my question to us today is, when you venture out into the unknown, is God leading you? Or are you just out in the unknown? <laughs> There's a difference between you going and you being sent and you going and you went out on your own accord. Amen? You know, as, as parents, sometimes we've seen situations where our children went out and did something like, well, why'd you do that? Or why'd you go there? Or why'd you go there when I told you not to go there? Amen? Well, it's the same thing with us in the body of Christ. Sometimes we go somewhere, and sometimes we may even want to spiritualize it and say, oh, I did this in your name. But that doesn't mean that you necessarily got sent. Amen? And a lot of times the, the proof is in the pudding, amen, of what we see. I mean, I've, I've shared before that I know of people that have gone out to places and then got almost killed. They did it in God's name, or at least they thought they were doing it in God's name, you know. But even, once again, obeying those in authority over you, the authority over this one person told him not to go because he had a sense of, of urgency in his spirit, don't go. But because he had a spirit of insubordination and rebellion and didn't want to hear the one that was watching over him spiritually, no, this is my time, and instead of seeing it as you're cautioning me, you're trying to, to restrain me. You're trying to control me. God is telling me to do this. Amen? No, he ain't. <laughs> I, talked to somebody, I talked to somebody not too long ago. Felt that God told him to do this, told him to do that, and life is all in shambles. Like God told me to do this, God told me, then why is your life in shambles? I mean, it would be one thing to be in shambles and you're at peace with it. And you know that God's hands upon you. Because that could happen. But no, you're not at peace. So you mean tell me you're at peace... God tells you to go out into the deep, and everything's exploding around you, and you're all full of anxiety, fear, and, and a lack of hope. God didn't send you there. You went out on your own in the name of God. There's a difference between that and God sent you, and you went out as he led you. <laughs> and like I said, that doesn't mean that you won't experience hardship out there when you do stuff for God. God knows I know you will experience hardness when you go out there for God. Amen? But this, there's a difference. You could tell in your spirit between when God sent you and you encounter adversity, amen, and when you went out on your own accord in the name of God. And I'm not saying that God's got to open up the heavens every time I tell you to do this. I hear somebody's in the hospital, I go to the hospital. Sometimes I only ask God for permission to go or do you want me to go. I just get up and I go. Because I know there's certain things in the Bible, you know, according to your spiritual maturity, you know this is the thing to do. I don't need a 24-hour prayer vigil to find out if God wants me to go see somebody in the, in the hospital on the deathbed. God would be looking at me like, seriously? <laughs> I can see God like, you wasting my time with that? Seriously? Of course, you should be there already. Why are you seeking me for that? <laughs> so if I see a situation like that, it's not like, 
you know, should I go? It's like I go, and as I'm going, I'm like, Lord, show me what to say. Show me how to pray. Anoint me to... That's the kind of prayer. Amen? And the only time I maybe wouldn't go is if God said, no, you stay out of this one. And then I wouldn't go. <laughs> so there's a difference between you, go, you going and God sending. Hallelujah. So Abraham was called to go out into a place by God. He did not venture out on his own accord. As a result of this, he could trust God to sustain him since he was on a journey that God initiated. You know, once again, I just think of Paul. Paul ended up in prison. Paul and Silas ended up in prison. But they were all wrecked out up and all beat up and God failed me. Paul and Silas praised the Lord so much that earthquake shook the place and the bars came open. They praised God in the jail. <laughs> what did Paul do? He said, I'm praying for you guys at a distance and writing you letters, which became part of our Bible. So he wasn't all messed up in jail either. He was actually more primary. He actually was more productive in ministry in jail because on the road he hit, you know, some people say he probably hit 1,300 square miles on foot, ship, maybe horse. In jail, he reached the planet <laughs> thousands of years later. So he actually, the best part of his ministry, and he probably didn't know at the time, was in jail as he wrote the epistles that became part of our Bible. So he was very fruitful in jail. You know, if he had known, he probably would have, shoot, I would have got locked up from day one. Spent my whole ministry in jail. <laughs> I knew it was going to reach the planet with billions of souls. Amen. So he knew he could trust God to sustain him. Abraham knew that he could trust God to sustain him because he was on a journey that God initiated. We actually sang the next scripture, Acts seventeen twenty eight. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. In him we live and move and have our being. That basically means every aspect of your life is consumed and governed by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Amen? In him I live. If, if, if in him I live, that means that I don't have any area in my life that is just associated with me. I had a situation um, probably about six months ago. Somebody called me angry because they didn't really understand what it took to get this project going. And I was trying my best to get it done, but between that and the things going on at work, it was very, very difficult, but I was still trying my best. And every time I tried to commute with the person, they were like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Everything's fine. Oh, no problem, no problem. Then all of a sudden, this one day, the person calls me up, and they could read me the riot act and yelling and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, where did this come from? You told me that everything's, well, I wasn't cool. Well, you shouldn't have said you were cool then. <laughs> and he's just yelling at this. And I said, well, look, I said, you know, there's only so much I could do. I have a full-time job. I have this. I have ministry. Oh, you're not going to talk about this church stuff. He said, you know, when I came to you, he said, this is businessman to businessman. It's like, this is business and this is church. I'm, so, I'm sorry, homeboy. For me, there is no business church. Everything I do is part of my relationship with God. So maybe you do business one way and church one way and those are separate, separate worlds, but not for me. So I'm going to just tell you right now, that don't roll with me. You know, and, you know, later he could apologize and stuff like that. He started to see some of the stuff that was going on that he wasn't aware of firsthand. 
in terms of trying to deal with these companies and dealing with difficulties. But just to say, like, I have a part of my life that's encapsulated that I have my business side and I have my Christian side. Your theology is wrong, my friend. And, you know, I wasn't, a, you know, the person's younger is faith and I knew that. So I kind of like, you know, I guess this should be a learning moment for you. But no, there should be no separation. You know, but some do. <laughs> but it says, in him we live and move and have our being. Our life should be fully encapsulated inside of the word and inside the spirit of the Lord. In every aspect of our lives, our work, our play, um, everything should revolve around our faith in God and our relationship with God. When I'm on vacation, I'm on vacation, but in God. You know, so I could be in Florida, I could be in Myrtle Beach, I could be in, in Toronto, I could be in wherever. And if there's a need spiritually there, I'm going to try my best to meet it. I'm not on vacation from God when I'm on vacation. So my job, I might be away from that for a week, but I'm not away from God ever because in him I live. So I'm never on vacation from God. In him I move. That's another key thing. When I move, and I'm not talking about moving my property in my house, but if I did move the property in my house, he'd be involved. He was involved with the purchase of my house and me living there. Um, but if I, if I move in terms of ministry, when I went down to this church in Delaware, uh, I forget what month it was, but, well, you remember September. Thank you. When I went to this church in September, before I agreed to go there, and I knew them in advance, I met them in fellowship with them at a party and, you know, I think a couple other times or at least talked to them on the phone. So I knew them. It wasn't like any issue with them. But I was like, I know, like, the scale of their ministry and how they're, they're prophetically wired and the type of warfare they probably deal with. So... I appreciated the offer to come down there and preach, but I didn't just run down there and preach. I was like, Lord, am I allowed to go? You know, once he showed me yes, then before I went, I encountered a lot of warfare. (laughs) But at least I asked, you know. So I encountered a lot of warfare the couple days before and even the day of trying to go down. I I told them afterwards, I was like, it's hard for me to even get in that car and go because of the warfare that was on me. And matter of fact, um, Tony offered to drive so I could just sit back and relax and go my notes or relax. And um, we just got out of the neighborhood. Everything in me was like, turn around, take me back to the house. That warfare was so heavy. I was like, literally, I felt I couldn't breathe. I was like, just turn around. So I was back there just like praying and praying and praying. And I put, you know, my own music on, playing songs that empower me. And I got down there and the Lord moved. But it's like it was warfare. You know, so moving is not just a literal movement of the property, but in him I move. Am I able to move from, see, I look at that as, as territorial ju- jurisdictions, which I'll deal with that, I'll deal with that later. The, the strong men over these areas, I, I, I said this at um, actually Apostle Shirley's church. There's a strong man over Philadelphia, you know, the cradle of freedom that is to restrict spiritual freedom over this area. I fought the strong men down in Atlantic City before. Early in my walk as prophet. Got my butt kicked too. But it showed me, whoa. I was walking down there just to enjoy a day at the beach. He said, prophet, attack. And literally almost passed out 
literally almost pass out of war. I mean, Pam and I went down the water. They were younger. I was walking back to war from the um, boardwalk. People probably looked at me, thought he was drunk. I was like, literally. And by the time I got to the top of that boardwalk, I said, I'm going to go back to the car, put on the air conditioning, try to, like, see if it cools me down and, and settles my spirit. I got to the top of that thing. I literally start blacking out, and I feel my body. And all of a sudden, I felt like this breeze. I knew it was the Holy Spirit. He comforted me, and he strengthened me enough. I was still woozy. I was like sucker punch. I mean, literally, it's just like somebody came up and, like, clocked me in my temple. I was literally groggy. I mean, I've been martial arts. I've been kicked in my head. And I only had once and maybe even came close to that. That was the biggest sucker punch I ever hit. And the, and the Lord's like, the Holy Spirit said, it's a strong man over the casinos. He knows you're a prophet, and he don't like you on his territory. So maybe you didn't recognize what it meant, you stepping on these grounds, but he saw a prophet coming on his territory, and he attacked me. And the confirmation, Pam and the boys came out of the water. They prayed for me down the water. I didn't say a word to Pam. She came up, she said, the Holy Spirit said, the strong man over those casinos attacked you. Oh, y'all just want to move and just, oh, the Lord called me to do. I'm running to the prison, to the nursing home, to the women's shelter, to the, this and that, and that prayer party. You better know where you're going. <laughs> better know where you're going. And I ain't trying to give you fear, but I'm saying, I'm not trying to instill fear like don't go. I'm saying at least know where you're going and pray about it in advance. Because when you go on that turf, they ain't trying to say then, oh, well, are you welcome here or is, is it okay here? No, once you're there, it's like it's an act of war. Don't be trying to make up your mind now. You on my turf. You go blood and tips, blood and crips territory or some gang territory in Philly or New York or something like that. They will ask you after the fact, oh, did you know where you came and did you ask for permission? No, you here now. Boom. All warfare parallels the spirit realm. All warfare parallels what's in the spirit manifest here in the earth. Why do you think the United States has been such a military powerhouse? Our principles derived from the Bible. Why do you think Israel survived? Warfare parallels from biblical principles. Amen? Admirals and generals and all these different levels. It comes from spiritual ranks. I don't even know why I even got on this. But it's what's in the spirit manifests in the natural. So we need to know when we move, are you a private or are you a general? If you ain't a general, you better not be going where they're, where they're engaging in general level warfare. You better stay where the private stay. <laughs> or if you go, you better go with a general that goes at your side or sends you there under his authority so that he can keep that level of protection above you. Amen. In him we live and move. Amen? In him we move. So I ain't just moving on my own accord because I want people to see how annoying I am or see that I belong or don't feel like they left me behind. No, I'm moving because God has told me to move. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's why David could be successful. David was not yet at the level of a king. Saul was a king. First of all, he got Saul's permission, but then even when he went, he says, I come in the name 
of the Lord of hosts. Otherwise, Goliath, the stages were too high. It was national-level warfare, Israel versus the Philistine. This was nation-level warfare. That's why he said, give me your king. Give me your champion. If you won't send me your king, send me your champion. He didn't say, send any old man out here fight me. Goliath was like, no, send me your champion. I want the guy that represents the whole shebang. And we got time all this army versus army fighting back and forth. I'm a champion. Send me your champion. We'll settle this. David, little shepherd bread deliverer, comes out. You ready to fight me? I'm looking for a champion. I'm a champion, but not in me, in the Lord of hosts. The captain of the Lord's army, Jehovah Sabaoth, I come in his name. So although I'm not there yet, I'm not a king, I'm coming in his name. As I come in his name, I'm his representative. Therefore, he sanctions me and he oversees me and covers me to protect me. And he's the one who literally is going to kill you today. Hallelujah. I'm just a vessel. So in him we move. In him we have our being. The essence of everything that I'm about revolves around the spirit of God. It ain't about me. I don't even care. Like a lot of times, the, the sense of um, Brian Fox and who I am don't even matter half the time anymore, you know? And I want my, the Fox name to extend for generations and stuff, and I want them to carry on the Fox name and tradition well. But the fact is, you know, there's that aspect that wants to cont- continue the line, but when it comes to it superseding the, the heart of God and the nature of God and what God desires, I could care less. Amen? That's why I'm the first to apologize when I offend. Because it ain't about Brian Foss and his ego. What, you need apology? All right, I'm sorry. I have no ego whatsoever in terms of that. Because it's in him I have my being. It ain't about me. Oh, well, they said this about you. Don't that hurt your feelings and offend? No. Who am I to be offended? In him I have my being. They could talk about me all they want. They could do what they want. My, Brian Fox, is my life consists of him. So who cares what they do to me as long as his name is glorified? Amen? And that's not to say we don't have natural human emotions. We do. But I'm saying when those things come, take it to him so he can lift that part off and you can continue on serving his name. So in him we live and move and have our being. And that's why if these things are all contained in him, when he takes us out into the unknown, we don't have to fear where we're going because he's the one relocating me. He's the one empowering me. He's the one equipping and sustaining. Amen? So I don't have to worry about if I go into the unknown, I could get killed here. Because I'm not directing my journey, he is. Amen? And if he's directing me there, and he's a loving God that has sustained me and protected me and provided for me, he's not going to send me there unless he can make, he's going to make sure I'm secure. Or even in the sense of a Stephen or somebody that does lose their life for God. Look how he did it. Lord, lay not this charge on him. And he what? Lay down and fell asleep. So you, even as unto life itself, God will preserve you, sustain you, and even if your flesh may perish, he still gives you peace in the midst of it. Amen? Hallelujah. So God does not leave you all shipwrecked and beaten up and 
in despair and, oh, he's, he wasn't faithful to me. and He did this and he lied. No, God gives you peace even if bad things happen. Hallelujah. All right, um, let's see. Romans 8, 10 through 15. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the body, the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Hallelujah. If Christ be in you, is Christ in us? He says if he's in us, the Spirit is life. Amen. Hallelujah. And if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. That shows us two things. First of all, his spirit dwells in us. And then the second thing we see is that we see is that he will quicken our mortal bodies. In other words, he will energize. He will revitalize. He will reinvigorate. So when you're exhausted, when you're beaten down, when you're exhausted, he's basically saying that he will supernaturally empower you to sustain and keep you moving in him. So you might venture out into the unknown where you don't know exactly what's going to happen and, you know, where you're going and why this is happening or why that's happening. But he says here that he will sustain you and he will continue to give you the zeal and the energy and the equipping that you need to handle the process. Now he says also, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Are we led by the Spirit of God? Once again, that's the big statement. Are we led by the Spirit of God or are we self-motivated or self-energized, you know? Are we trusting in our own natural abilities or are we trusting in the spirit and the power of God? If we're trusting in the power of God, once again, you may go and venture into something that is unfamiliar to you, but yet you can still feel him comforting you and empowering you to sustain whatever things are coming your way. And a lot of times he'll give you wisdom to handle stuff that you didn't even know that could happen, stuff that you're totally unprepared for and you're like, I don't know how I answered that or how this, this or that, but somehow he gave me the strength or the wisdom or the talent or whatever it needs to be. Somehow he does that. Amen? So um, that's a great thing. We go into the unknown, but if it's at his leading, we could trust him that all will be taken care of once we get out there. And that's such a, such a sense of security. Amen? That uh, we don't necessarily have to know everything that's in store for us in the coming years, but yet, if we're following his lead, everything will be fine. 